This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander and I'm joined by my dude, Mr. Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? Yeah, the NBA season is like less than a month away, man. Less than a month away until the M- like actual NBA games are back in our lives. Now, obviously, the hot stove is it's still a little spicy right now. Like my Woj notifications on Twitter are still coming in, but now it's like I, guys I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Or like him Bork. promoting his Giannis podcast. <laughs> the Giannis podcast. It's like Dennis Borkath got signed by the Sixers to like a two-year, $7 million deal. It's like, all right, I'm sure. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for that, Webby. I'll take your word <laughs> for that. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, one thing you were correct about. Training camps start next week. The NBA season starts in less than a month. And, of course, that means a draft and free agency kicked off all in the last week. What a time to be alive indeed for an NBA fan. There's a lot of stuff going on here. So, But let's start in Toronto, right? And an mm-hmm. old score colleague. Well, yes. Well, I'm getting there. An old score colleague of ours, Neil Acharya, also known as Neil the Wheel, right? So the Raptors are in Tampa, and he sent me this note on Twitter saying that the Tampa Raptors, should we refer to them as the Traptors? And I don't know if I was still hyped from the Jeezy Gucci battle the night before, but I kind of like the Traptors. I like it. I like it. You, But they got to come out of the tunnel to lemonade. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. So icy maybe? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With both of them. (laughs) Oh, man. But either way, Raptors playing in Tampa and, you know, there's a lot of time to talk about that. We'll talk about that stuff maybe once we get to the actual season starting and just what that means, what kind of effects that can have. But overall, like just loosely, like off the front end, I don't really think it's that big of a deal coming off of the bubble experience, right? Right. And then also add in just, you know, there's a chance they might still play in Toronto, but the big deal is there's no fans anyways. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal for the players or for the fans because you weren't going to be able to go watch them play anyways. I I wonder if it has anything to do if like uh, they're going to be living, I guess like taking up residency in Florida and working in Florida. So I'm wondering if this, the state tax thing comes into it at all. Yeah. I mean, it comes in for a year for sure, but you got to think there's a, there's multiple levels to it, right? Like if the NBA already announced that they're announcing the schedule in two phases. So they're only going to announce the first half of the schedule. I think sometime soon, it's got to be within the it's next gotta week. It's got to be soon, right? Right. So they're going to announce that and then, but they're only announcing the first half. And the assumption is, depending on where things are at with COVID, with vaccines, with, you know, just the state of society, there could be a scenario where the Raptors end up playing back in Toronto. So you you don't really know how that's going to play out. But at the end of the day, you understand why it's happening, obviously, as, you know, Ontario continues to be kind of a crazy place right now where 
dudes are arguing over their barbecue stand barbecue and shop being open. Which, <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to say too much about that to give that clown any, oh, any more uh, pub than he's already getting here. But if we stick to the Raptors here, biggest news of their offseason, they have re-signed Fred Van Vliet for the number that we talked about on the pod last week, which was four years, 85 mil. Now, this is the biggest deal ever for an undrafted player in the NBA. We obviously talked about how much we both liked the number last week. How much do you love it now, considering everything else that happened in free agency? Uh, it, I, basically, everything that's happened in free agency, I've when the Gordon Hayward and uh, was it Marcus or Markeith Morris deals got announced, everything that's happened in free agency is I've been judged against those two deals. So, yeah. like, I'm sure we're going to get to the uh, the other Raptors who were kind of on the move, yeah, and what they got as well, but. When you look at what Gordon Hayward got and mm-hmm. how many NBA championships he's won compared yeah. to what Fred Van Vliet got to come back to, like we talked about, a system that, like, you know, up plays up his strengths and downplays his weaknesses. Yeah. And it's a great deal for him and it's a great deal for the Raptors. It's like both hands washing each other, right? He doesn't have to go and play for the Knicks. And the Raptors don't, you know, basically break the bank for an undrafted backup point guard. (laughs) Yeah, it's super interesting on a lot of levels to me because if I look at the – it's just a win all the way around. It's a win for Masai because he gets a number that's close to the 20 mil number that keeps the spot open next year for the potential of signing Giannis, which we'll get to, but also strategically how they plotted it out. He makes more in this year, but it goes down next year to create even more room next year to add in someone else in, in the off season where Giannis and a couple other free agents might be available, but it also works for Freddie. And this part to me is really important, right? Because last week we also talked about, and I hope people that listen to this pod listen to what we're saying when we recommend stuff, but that Freddie interview that he did with JJ Redick was so cool to me. And I explained it on the last pod because my guy's just real. You can tell he's just a real dude. He just works hard. He's a baller, loves his craft, works hard at it. And you Once you listen to him, you understand how he got to where he is, but also you understand why an organization wouldn't mind investing money in him Mm -hmm. because he works hard. He's going at it at night in, night out. You're not worried about effort. You're not worried about his love of the game. Like, you know that bet on yourself, if he's betting on himself and winning, (laughs) that means if he's winning, winning... The team's winning as well. And I just love this instance where, because the past week where after he signed and he's doing interviews all over the place, it's like everyone's getting to see that Fred Van Fleet's, I hate saying swag because it's just him. (laughs) Like, I don't want it to come off as if it's phony or if it's fake or if it's some cliche, but it's just him. And everyone's kind of getting to see that. And I love when someone who just busts their ass and works hard gets what they deserve and what he earned. And as an organization, why wouldn't you want to pay a guy like that? And every time I hear him speak, it's just so real, no gimmicks, no nothing, just hard work and actual grind. I, I love it. I love everything about it. Um, Jackie McMullen was on Bill Simmons the other day, and they were yep. talking about Clay Thompson and Fred Van Vliet and about that personality, 
and how it's so engaging, not just for his teammates, but for the fans and the organization as well. And Jackie McMullen brought up a good point that those guys don't go looking for that attention. Mm -hmm. You know, it's based on their play and their actual personality. And then when the fans get to see that, it's so engaging for them that they just flock right to it. So, I mean, it's great for him and it's great for the Raptors. And that is, like you say, a kind of guy that you want to invest in for your team as kind of a building block, right? Yeah. And I know we talked about it a couple, we talked about it for a while, you know, should they give Fred the money? Is he worth the money long-term? I'm going to be really honest. And I know, you know, this might sound kind of strange, but listening to him speak so much more, it's like, I get it. I understand. Like if you're Masai, if you're, you know, even Larry Tannenbaum, right? It, like I'm just saying if you're someone involved in the organization and you listen to that guy's story, you listen to his motivations and you listen to him speak, you get it. And you don't mind investing money in that guy at all. But it wasn't all great news in Raptors land as both of their centers left in free agency as Serge Ibaka joined Kawhi and the Clippers and Marc Gasol join LeBron and the Lakers, both losing your centers to La La Land, but bringing in Aaron Baines and Alex Len. What did you make of those transactions just in terms of, you know, two guys going out, two guys coming in? Not that it's a trade per se, but what's your thoughts there, man? Hey, you say it's a bad thing. I say it's a really good thing. I didn't say it was. I said, okay, we'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll you know, go like, go ahead. honestly, say what you want about Alex Len, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who was a really high draft pick, who's shown flashes, but has been kind of considered a bust. And Aaron Baines, man, is so underrated in today's NBA with what he can do and the role that he can play on a successful winning team. Yeah. That I, I mean, I think that those two moves and what they are paying those guys – is so much better than if the Raptors would have rolled out a new contract for old man Gasol and old man Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Because as, as great as they were for the Raptors, and no question, they were awesome. Marc Gasol was an Embiid killer, is an mm-hmm. Embiid killer. Yep. But those guys are on the other side of their careers. And to we talked about investing in guys. Investing in old pieces at that position – I don't think it's a smart move for Masai. And I thought that getting out from not like, like I said, not having to pay those two guys is a smart move by Masai as well, because I, again, now in a year's time, uh, a couple years time, you're going to have more money to play with rather than mm-hmm. being stuck under contracts to two older centers, two older front court guys. Yeah, and I mean, hey, I said it wasn't all good news in Raptorland, and I, I'm going to explain myself. Don't worry. Don't worry, Webby. So it's it sucks to see them go, but it is the right move. Yeah, it's the right move because it's time for the organization to fully keep going towards what that next generation is. Keeping them would have been hanging on to them for the wrong reasons. And Aaron Baines, having Aaron Baines as opposed to Serge Ibaka or Marc Gasol, that's not changing like the trajectory of the team it's not like if they kept Serge or mark then the raptors are in the top tier of the eastern conference right like that's not what this is so losing them it's it's more just what this signifies in terms of the the championship just being further 
in the distance. And I know it's not that long ago. I know it's only two years, but it's just that sad part, that sad notion of, oh, the memories. And, and you know, I posted that picture of Mark and, and Serge screaming as they hug Kyle and like, that's going to live forever, right? But it was a more sentimental. It was more nostalgia. That's what made it sad and sucked to see them go. But you get it. And in theory, it works for the both of them because you're right. At this stage of their career, they are better suited to go to a team that has the ability to win a championship and be uh, a piece that can put them over the top, right? What they would do for the Raptors isn't, you know, it's not taking the Raptors to the next level of competing for an Eastern Conference championship, but giving 20, 25 good minutes on the Lakers or Clippers instead of that being uh, Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee, right? Or Zubac, that's huge for those two teams and also good for Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And as a Raptors fan, I'm we talked about this before. I'm not one of the people who are down on Kawhi because he left to the Clippers. I still want to see those dudes thrive because I'm always going to remember the memories of what they did here. So I kind of like, on the flip side, seeing Mark and Serge go to places where they can have a chance to win. And that, that part's kind of cool. Now, in terms of Aaron Baines and Alex Len, let's talk a little bit more about those guys coming in, but also re-signing Chris Boucher. Because now you're looking at a different, a completely reloaded front court here for the Raptors in terms of the center position. We know Pascal is going to play the four, but in terms of Baines, Len, and Chris Boucher, I'd assume Aaron Baines is probably going to be the starter as training camp comes around. And I think Aaron Baines isn't a guy that you know, the casual NBA fan is going to be familiar with. But this is a solid center for the modern NBA in terms of he still bangs around in the paint, will get you rebounds, he'll get on the glass, he'll mix it up. He's, he's that big body traditional center. But when I say new NBA, he can work on the perimeter. He can step out and hit a jumper, hit the three-point shot. You know, he still sets solid screens, which for Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet is a huge, huge deal. Australia is he Australian? Uh, I think so. I'm pretty sure he is. I can Again, look that up. you want an Australian or a New Zealander on your basketball team? <laughs> they just have that, and I know we're going to get to Stephen Adams later, but they just have that kind of like demeanor about them that that quiet toughness. Like that's not a yeah. guy you want to mess with. And yeah. and Aaron Baines definitely has that kind of vibe as well. I just think that Aaron Baines is, you know, he's not going to give you the high level of Serge Ibaka. Like Serge Ibaka would have a night where he drops 25. Right. right? No, but he's got but, a high floor. Yes. Yes. You don't, you might not have to worry about the injuries that you would have if you kept Mark or Serge. But at the same time, I just think that you, Masai's done a good job of, not bottoming out the team this year, right? Like you're still giving Pascal and Fred and Kyle above average pieces that are able to help the squad. Now, there's a lot of talk about who the Raptors didn't get. And, you know, Alex Len is still a value play in terms of there could be potential there, right? In terms of where he's rim protection. But I mean, in terms of where he's able to take his career, but there's a lot of talk of some of the other names that were potentially out there in terms of Hassan Whiteside. No. Maybe, uh, <laughs> he didn't even no. let me finish. Hassan Whiteside or uh, Boogie Cousins, right? There's some other interesting Giles names that were out there. But in terms of the guys who were available, how did you think Masai Ujiri did with the cards that he was dealt? 
I mean, I like the Baines move a lot. And that is like almost a quintessential, typical Raptors move, right? Like, that's a kind of guy that they've gotten in the past that fans are like, oh, really? Like, Aaron Baines? But, man, he's going to play, and he's going to be a fan favorite just 1, because of the way that he plays. Now, 1,000%. Alex, Alex Len, I don't know. It, it, that was a weird one to me, especially when they paid Chris Boucher what they paid him, yeah. which was like – It's really I, only a one-year guaranteed. Second right. year is not guaranteed, but still. And I know people love Boucher, but I was calling him the mascot, like Moon and Nori. Oh, wow. Like, that's a disrespect. No, I'm going to stick up is, for Boucher. That's a disrespect. That is disrespect. That's a disrespect. He's, he's Masai's victory cigar. He's like the red hour back victory. No, cigar. he he has more flashes than Munanori Kawasaki ever did anything <laughs> for the Jays. Chris Boucher had a lot of games last year, a handful, more than a handful of games. Last I would year say where he came in a handful. And, and I would say a handful. Of no, games. no, no. I'm not going to diss Chris Boucher like that. Chris Boucher was serviceable. His but the, the thing about numbers are amazing. No, 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 but, no, no. But the thing about the Raptors that I give them credit for is they were bringing him along slowly. They were not going to send him out to the Wolves and have him play major minutes, even when the injuries were going down. He would still only be the backup, and his minutes still would never get to anything crazy. They were How many bringing him along does he slow. Get? How many starts does he get this season? I don't think he gets many starts. Like Chris Boucher is a solid player, but he's an energy guy off the bench. Right. And, and that's what he is. And I think you'd like that. And you like the story, obviously him being from Montreal and coming from it's where he big. came from as yeah. a dishwasher at like St. E bears yeah. to the NBA. Yo, you love the story. You love the can con and the fact that he's another a success story of someone coming through Raptors 905 and sticking with the big club you love that. And now he's still going to have a, I like the Len pickup because it tells Boucher like, Oh no, just because you got the deal doesn't mean you're yeah. guaranteed minutes, bro. That's like, a good, you got to really still point. work and come in and work. And I like that. It's a great move by Masai. And I'm, I agree with you that Aaron Baines will become a fan favorite. Right? Aaron Baines will, will definitely be a fan favorite. In Another international just, guy. Like, Oh, it's, it's he, all written in the, in the stars for him. He's cut from the same cloth of a Kyle Lowry, you know, Fred Van Fleet in terms of a gritty, like tough player. PJ he's not gonna, he's, yeah. He's not going to wow you with his athleticism by any stretch, but he's a solid, solid defender, solid offensive player. will get on the glass and, He'll just be a solid player. And, yeah. and I'm not mad at that. In, in an ad where you are looking for ways to keep your team competitive for the one year, but get you through to next year where you're really, you're reloading on the fly. You're not rebuilding, you're reloading. And I think it was a smart move in that sense for Masai Ujiri as the Giannis hopes continue, right? Um, I, I would say they're, get, they're getting dashed. We'll, we'll, hold on, hold on. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll save a lot of the you know expectations of where we think the Raptors will be this, se- this upcoming season. We'll save that because we're going to do, obviously, a season preview where we talk about all of that. But I will say this and message me, and we'll read the comments on the next pod. To me, it's just avoid the play-in round. Come in sixth, avoid that play-in tournament, and to me, that's good. I'll take that. That's my expectations. And last, and people are going to crush me because last year I said the Raptors would be somewhere in the bottom half of the playoff race. Same. Five, six, seven, eight. I did and too. This year, like, hey, we'll we'll see what goes on. But again, 
we will discuss that on upcoming episodes, but let's keep things moving with terms of the offseason storylines. And the biggest news still to be resolved is Giannis and will he or won't he sign the Supermax in Milwaukee? It's been a wild week for the Bucks as they traded and got Drew Holiday, thought they did a side and <laughs> trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That did not work out. But what do you think so far just about the week that it's been so far for the Milwaukee Bucks in their pursuit I, of keeping Giannis? It's, it started so well, right? It started with a bang and, and, you know, the Drew Holiday news hit and everybody and their mother was saying that, <clears throat> well, this means that the, I mean, he's going to sign the Supermax tomorrow or the next day. Yeah. And then the Bogdanovich news of that sign and trade happening. And it's like, wow. Okay. So they paid a lot for drew holiday, but they're obviously serious or obviously going to make a few more moves here. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of petered out with that sign and trade falling through. And then it's yeah. like some of the other names that like, you really want to build something around Giannis and you're, you're adding some so, of the names that you ended up a couple adding. things here, a couple of things here. I want to start off with drew holiday is legit okay like real basketball no no no. i'm not saying you you didn't no question that. i'm talking to the masses here right if you don't know drew holiday is legit and people look at oh well he hasn't been an all-star since 2012 or 2013 i think it is whatever it is i want to bring up a couple things do you know how difficult it is to make the all-star team in the west as a guard over the last decade like there's clay thompson steph curry chris paul uh russell westbrook james harden dame lillard Lillard, right like think about how difficult it is so saying that you're not as good as those guys (laughs) for the last five years that's not really a slight to me now if drew holiday coming over to the eastern conference is a different story if we're talking about all-star games and making the all-star game as a guard i'll say that without getting too deep but drew holiday is a great two-way player great defensively he's an upgrade over chris middleton and if you think about chris middleton being your second best player i don't really like that chris middleton being your third best player we can talk and for raptors fans who might not be aware chris or uh drew holiday would be the best player on the toronto raptors like i don't know if people understand Right. Like I don't, but I don't think people fully understand how good Drew Holiday is. And then now the position that he's going to be in because he's dealt with injuries. He dealt with a lot of off court things in terms of missing. What was it? A a season, maybe a season and a half because his wife got really sick. And it's just like, there's a lot of things that happen that now you put him in a position where he's paired with Giannis and Chris Middleton with a chance to win an NBA championship. I would assume, and a contract year, my guy's going to be super motivated. But he's really good. People need to understand that. I, and Drew Holiday is really good, and his advanced metrics are amazing. His defensive capabilities are awesome, and he knows how to lead a basketball team on the court. Mm-hmm. But I don't question him there. What I do question is giving up the first round picks. Okay. And the pick swaps, okay? So here's if, the thing. If, if Giannis isn't signing on that dotted line, by the time you make that deal, then your ass is in the wind, as my I dad disagree. would say. I disagree. Because those, those are super I, valuable, man. If yeah, he doesn't sign, you're going to be in the lottery. 
but people, but I don't get what people, as long as he signs by December 21st, it's all that matters. Like you don't need him to sign yesterday. You don't need him to sign December 18th if, or 19th. You if need I'm him a to bucks, just, no, who cares bucks, when he signs, man. as long as he signs. It's the only thing that matters. If I'm a Bucks fan, the only I, thing that matters. If I'm a Bucks fan, I need him to have signed yesterday. No, you because don't. the closer we get to December 21st, not only that, but we've seen this play out before last year or two years ago with Anthony Davis, where he no, signed the Supermax the... mm-hmm. and then still asked to get shipped out of there. But we know that was a completely different situation because LeBron and Rich Paul were involved. Right? Well, like listen, we know that was a whole different situation. And what here's the thing Pat with Giannis. What if Pat Riley's involved? Well, there's a couple things at play here. One, we don't know where Giannis is right now. There's reports. They don't know if he's in Milwaukee now or if he's still in Greece. And so there's still a possibility that, yeah, he's going to sign when he comes to training camp, when he comes back. Like, that could be a thing that happens, and then we're all sitting here like, oh, so I guess he was always signing the whole time. There's just too many things going on that make no sense to me because here's the thing, right? Do you give up all of those picks – for Drew Holiday to pair with Giannis without consulting Giannis. Maybe. No, you you don't do that. They don't consult. You just Giannis. told me they don't you just told me they don't know where he is. No, 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 no. You can send him a text and be like, we're thinking of getting Drew Holiday to see if he likes the deal or not. Yeah, but of course he's gonna that's say different yes. than hold on, that's different than sitting down and signing a contract. That's completely but, different than well, signing he, your life away for the next five years for the most money you and your family have ever made or seen in their lives. Well, Come first on, of man. all, first of all, what's he gonna say? No. No. Of course he could say no. And what then who mean? are they gonna who are they gonna go get? Who knows? Maybe they sent him options and he pitched it. We the don't know thing is, because the, the thing that we do know, hold on, hold on. The thing that we do know is that when the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade happened, we know, cause it's been reported by Brian Windhorse that they talked Bogdanovich and Giannis talked after that happened. So, and they were both Bogdanov- happy about the deal, but Bogdanovich didn't end up going. I know, which we'll get to in a sec. We'll get to that in a sec. Remind me about that because we'll get there in a sec. I'm telling you, but I'm, the point if of I'm what a Bucks I'm, fan, I'm no, 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 super the, nervous. The point of what I'm making, though, is that, of course, Giannis has been involved in all of this. And the Dude, fact the that Giannis and Bogdan have talked is part of what caused this whole thing to fall through. Because the NBA and these people who have been complaining about tampering, Meanwhile, enjoying all of the juice and gossip every time tampering no. takes place, right? Like, those ways. people mad. Well, those people mad at tampering. Like, go find another hobby or something. Like, who cares, right? Like, who who is tampering really hurting? Like, did tampering stop Anthony Davis? Like, if if you remove tampering, was there a chance Anthony Davis would have stayed? in new orleans instead no. of ending up on the lakers no it doesn't change anything his agent is rich paul who is also the agent for lebron like you're not stopping tampering so all that happened is and i really think that we might not know we might not ever know the truth but i really think what happened was the nba after making such a huge deal last year about the tampering and remember the clippers got fined how many times for what they did with Kawhi and following him around (laughs) when he was still on the Raptors. Right. They're at the ACC watching games. They're like in hotels on the road and and the Raptors are like, what's going on here? How are they, how do they have staff at all of our games? So 
they complain about tampering. We know the Clippers got fined multiple times because that happened publicly, right? Doc Rivers got fined for his public comments as well. So we know that on the record, tampering was a thing that was brought up. We also know that because it leaks out and becomes a media story, that clearly behind the scenes, it was something that the NBA wanted to, to make it seem as if they're taking a hard line stance and saying no more tampering. So they implemented all these rules. They made all these press releases last year about tampering has to stop. That was last year. And then the following off season, the very first thing that happens big news wise is there's a sign in trade a week before you're supposed to be (laughs) able to talk to free agents. And he's not even a free agent. He's a restricted free agent, making it an extra level of tampering. They can't have that happen. They can't have that happen because publicly it just makes you look bad. So I don't know if this was some David Stern. Yes, I'm saying David Stern stealth backdoor move where they're just like, yo, this deal's not happening. You got, we, we're not making this deal happen. Like uh, this deal is void. It's not happening because you guys violated the rules and it was tampering. So this deal is not. There's been, there's been so many worse cases of tampering or alleged tampering with bigger stars. Past. In with bigger past. stars than Bojan Bogdanovic. Well, I don't think I don't think that was that was in two pl- things. That- two things. One, if it was a bigger, doesn't it make more sense that they would do that for Bogdan Bogdanovic and <laughs> not like Anthony Davis? But my point is that was in the past. I'm they did it with what's Chris happening Paul. Now. Chris Paul and who the, the and the Suns? Lakers. No, 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 no. I'm talking about now. Oh, you're like talking about after la- I'm saying last season they made this huge deal. Tampering has to stop. Tampering is a thing. It's bad for the league. It's bad for this. Blah, 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 blah. Adam Silver was making press conferences about it, doing interviews, talking about how we need to stop tampering. We're looking into it. We're investigating this. We're investigating that. And then the first offseason after, the very first big move is blatant tampering, where we know that Giannis and Bogdan have talked before he's become a free agent on a side. And you guys have even worked out a sign and trade, right? And who's really complaining in that? It's not the Kings because the Kings wanted the offer. Yeah. So it's other player, it's other teams around the league, obviously complaining because they didn't get a head start because they were probably waiting to start their, their bid. But either way, Bogdan is not heading to the Bucks, and that leaves the Bucks in a weird spot right now. And are you, Worried with all that said, with all the chaos we just mentioned that's going on with Milwaukee, do you think that Giannis is not signing with Milwaukee? No, I think Giannis is going to sign, but I think he's going to leave in two years. Because there's another player okay. who just there's another player who just re-upped. Okay. Uh, there was like a group of those like five or six players who re-upped, mm-hmm. who signed a max contract. Mm-hmm. But also, whose uh, team president has kind of worked and tweaked the roster right now. That in two years, they're going to have enough money to sign or you know acquire Giannis. Okay, and and that's Bam Adebayo and the Miami Heat. So this was interesting, right? Because this story broke a couple of days ago, and the way that the NBA works is before things happen, you kind of get a sniff of deals about to happen and the story kind of leaked that maybe the heat were trying to ask bam to delay signing his supermax contract to next year so that they could have room to potentially add Giannis. so the interesting part of that whole story is that Giannis and bam share the same agent 
So there's a, a couple different ways to read the fact that Bam didn't wait till next year and he decided to sign a Supermax this year. Some people took that as, oh, well, maybe that means that Giannis is staying and he knows Giannis is staying and that's why the Heat aren't waiting around. They're just signing Bam now. I think that Bam has to know something, right? Because the agent has to know something and Bam and Giannis have a relationship. They're boys. So they have to have some inclination in terms of what's going to happen. And that also does lead me to believe that Giannis is going to resign and at least give it a go in Milwaukee. I think he's going to give it a go for for one or two years and they're going to get bounced early. They're not going to make the finals. (laughs) And in two years, he's going to force his way out of Milwaukee and they're going to be left holding the bag because they're not going to have first round picks and they're going to have pick swaps. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter. Because if you had to make, you have to go down trying to keep Giannis. So your your draft picks, like Sam Presti, can have all the picks he wants for the next however many years. Call me when they're actually good and competing for a championship. Right? I'm waiting to see that. You can have all the picks in the world forever. Do you know how many teams have been picking in the NBA draft, like top 10? <laughs> like the Sun, the Kings have been picking in the top 10 for like a decade. The Suns have been in the top of the NBA draft for how long? And they're only now finally good because they just got Chris Paul to add into their squad. Right? We could keep going. The Orlando um, Magic have been drafting near the top of the NBA draft for a very long time. I want you to call me when the Bucks start competing for an NBA championship. Next year. You think they'll make the finals next year? You, you said compete for an NBA championship. Uh, that means uh, make uh, the conference finals. To, 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 okay. Have a realistic shot of making the conference finals? Yeah, they have a shot of making the conference finals. Why not? I would say compete for an NBA championship means you're in the finals. And I don't think they're in the uh, NBA finals next year. See, we're, we're doing the semantics game here. I, I, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that they're going to make an NBA finals with Giannis. You would be surprised if – I mean, I don't, I don't know. But I also wonder if they're done. Right? Who knows? I don't know if they're done. I, I, no I don't think a lot of teams are done. Like, I, I don't know if we're going to get to what Daryl Morey and the Sixers did. We will because I'm assuming this might be the answer to your question here. And but to, that, sorry, that's a, you that's might a, be trying to tell me the answer to my question, which is upcoming, which is essentially who won the NBA offseason. Oh. I wish right. I, I if we had if we had traded for Harden right now I would be <laughs> I would be saying the Philadelphia 76ers but it's the Lakers it's the okay. Lakers hands down Okay the they Lakers took they took two guys mm-hmm. in uh Dwight Howard and yep. Rajon Rondo mm-hmm. and they turned them into two of the top bench scorers in the NBA last year in Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell Yeah they they took and listen, you know, like I was on this podcast for months about how much I love Rondo and I'm going to get to the Hawks soon, but taking those two pieces and turning them into two of the best bench guys in the NBA made that team even better, like made the NBA champion even better. So I'll say this on paper. Yes. Turning Schroeder and Montrez, you know, getting Schroeder and Montrez for Rondo and um, Dwight Howard, for sure. I totally get that. Adding Marc Gasol for JaVale McGee. There totally. you go. On paper, yeah. great. Turning Danny Green into Wes Matthews. Okay, sure. There's another Whatever. One. Sure. Same guy. And Same guy. keeping KCP and Markeith in their bench roles. Like, the Lakers bench is legit. 
Can't knock that. I would. I can't wait to watch Marcus All and LeBron oh, play together. It's going to be the, kind of insane passing. from a passing basketball nerd standpoint. Like that's kind of going to be very cool to watch. But that's on paper. And and hey, the Lakers. Like there's no arguments, right? Like the Lakers roster on paper, cool. That's it. I still have questions about what's going to happen in crunch time, come playoff time. But there's so much time before we get to that. Like. I don't get what Montrez Harrell did here because you went to join the Lakers to come off their bench, right? But how often, like, don't you want to close games? Like, he closed games on the Clippers. Yeah, Will but he closed he games on the Lakers. He like, couldn't. He couldn't close games in the playoffs. He couldn't play against well, Denver. Well, I mean, like they he forget closing games. He couldn't play against Denver. I mean. Like I like Montrez Harrell. I like what he can bring to your team. I love You're the energy. Kind of proving my point here. I which love. Which is kind of like it's good moves for the Lakers, but is it really like? It, listen, I, this is why I was kind of confused why they kept Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris. Yeah. Because isn't Montrez basically a rich man's Morris twin? I mean, I guess uh, I guess Markeith is more like Markeith could play to three. Whereas Montrez can't. Montrez is yeah. probably going to play more four five as opposed to Markeith would be more three four yeah. kind of sorta. But that really all depends on LeBron and AD, right? And but, bringing in the centers helps AD play the four. Yeah, a lot which more, is what he wants to do during right? the regular season, right? Now but, the other thing with Montrez was what? What's the numbers of his contract? It's uh, like. I, I forget what it is, but it's not very it's like two much. Two years, eighteen or something like that. It's it's Chris Boucher money. It's here's the thing, but he obviously just took less because he wanted to stay in L.A. and also, you know, still compete for a chip. Now I don't know if the if I look at what the Lakers did and Rob Palenka, for sure, like. It's great on paper, and I think they did it. And you have LeBron James, so whatever. But I think that LeBron James and the bubble covered up a lot of potential issues for the Lakers. And no, I, I LeBron James is great. Like everyone, I saw all these memes, right? There are all these memes going on over the last week about how LeBron James is way better than Michael Jordan as a player and as someone putting together a team. And it's like, that's because LeBron James gets to put together a team with LeBron James on it. Right? Yeah, like true. if Michael Jordan was putting together the Charlotte Hornets, but Michael Jordan in his prime was playing on the Charlotte Hornets, you know what? The Charlotte Hornets would be pretty good. Right? So I'm just saying LeBron is still at a level where he's that good that he covers up a lot of things. And I think that Rondo, we saw late, especially in the playoffs, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Rondo did the same thing. Rondo, to me, proved that he covered up a lot of the errors in their rotation, but also in their game plan. When things just broke down, he knew, I'm just going to run the pick and roll with um i'm just gonna run the pick and roll with um ad and you can't stop it right because you're either gonna try to help on ad and i'm gonna take the layup or you're gonna try to switch on to me and i'm gonna throw the lob to ad that's just like i don't know if schroeder can do that when need mm. be i don't know if i'm gonna need to see it and i but, i i would say that schroeder can give you more than just running that pick and roll 
And honestly, like, it's weird how similar Rondo and Truder are. Uh, okay. In their temperaments. Interesting. I think I would say that Schroeder is more of a scorer. That's what I. Hundred, not in their games. Not in their games. What did but I say? Montrez was two years eighteen. By, it's two years nineteen for Montrez. It's that's like for uh, the sixth man of the year. Yeah, but I mean, he just wanted. Uh, supposedly, he was offered more by the Hornets, if I'm not mistaken. I think. Why would you want to go to the Hornets? I think they don't have Michael Lawrence. Jordan playing on, on their team. <laughs> <laughs> He's got LeBron Here's James playing the, the Lakers. In, in terms of who won the offseason, and and this is my fault for getting too far into the weeds of what's going to happen in the season. Will they win the championship this, that, and the third? Because the question was who won the offseason, and it is the Lakers. You're right. They made the best moves. They upgraded their bench while retaining their core, obviously. And, you know, you got to give credit to Rob Polenka where credit's due. Yeah, great we job. were like we were kind of like trashing him and Genie not too long ago. Hey, Le- LeBron told us after the championship, <laughs> Rob wants his respect, right? <laughs> Put it on his name. Now the, right? I'll the send other him the team, I'll send him the hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not gonna do. You, do you have the "I told you so" hat? Is that I don't, coming I in? Don't. I don't. Um, I should get it though. I really you should. should. It's probably four hundred dollars. That's the only problem. <laughs> and it'll probably never come in the mail. <laughs> now, I the, I think everybody's going to agree that the Lakers had the best off season, but the off season now, after what happened with Bogdanovich, okay. that I like is the Hawks. Okay. I know that it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. with what they did, but if you look at the contracts that they gave to Bogdanovich, to Gallinari, even to, uh, well, Rondo, and uh, who's the kid from Chicago, the other point guard? Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Those are all really good contracts. Mm-hmm. They have Capella. Yep. They've obviously got Trey Young. Yep. And, and they've, got, they've got John the Baptist Collins, who's a great trade chip still. I don't know if they're going to bring him back. Yeah. But now with this play-in tournament, mm-hmm. I think the Hawks are going to be right in that mix in that yeah, six, I, seven, eight range in the East. And I, I, I mean, they, they have that star and then they, again, they did what good teams do. They have that star, what he can do. And they're kind of like surrounding him with players that are going to help him make the, make another step, make another leap. So I, I really like what the Hawks did. Yeah, I like what the Hawks did, and, and especially with Rondo, because even though like he might be, you know, you, you expect a lot more from Gallo and Bogdan, obviously, in terms of scoring punch every night. But Rondo is a theme that we talk about all the time in terms of adding a grown-up. If you're mm-hmm. going to be a playoff team and be a good NBA team, you need grown-ups on your squad. And I think Rondo will be a good influence for Trey Young just to, like, you know, it's a guy that's been through it before. So that's an interesting move. But I think the Hawks, and you might think the Hawks have been successful in doing this, and the the Hornets have not been successful in doing this, right? I'll, I'll leave that to whoever to decide. To me, the biggest thing that's super interesting about who won the offseason was those two teams, in the sense, they didn't make the bubble. So think about right. this, right? The whole NBA came back except for 
the crappy teams at the bottom of the league. That means that we all enjoyed, we all sat back and watched the NBA. We're like, yeah, the NBA's back. This is awesome. This is the best. And some of these teams weren't even there. The sobering reality that that's gotta be right. That your team is just like, your team doesn't matter. And that's from the players to the coaches, to the front office. That's why you're seeing teams go out and try to sign Gordon Hayward. And that's why you're seeing the Atlanta Hawks say, hey, we got to add a bunch of people. Because not only with the play-in tournament, but also just the embarrassment of having the season finish up without you even being invited, right? That's got to be a reality check. So I think that part's really cool. And you know, we, we were talking in this section about who won the offseason. Gordon Hayward and his agent won the offseason. So my guy signs for a $120 million deal with the Hornets. To me, he he won because of the way of how his agent played this. You opt out of $30 million, but more importantly, in the part that I think is underrated, a situation where at best he was a third option, but maybe more likely the fourth option fourth, in Boston, yeah. but also injury prone. So you opt out of a one-year contract, right? So in what could have been a world where next season he's there, he makes 30 mil, but let's say the Celtics are good. Everyone's healthy. He's still at best their fourth best player. So how good is he now coming off of that one year? And what's the contract waiting for him on the other side? Is he still getting a buck 20 next off season? And we didn't even talk about whether he gets injured or not. So you opt out of that and you get their 120 now. I'm not mad at that at all. And Charlotte isn't like, I don't know if Charlotte's going to be good. What's good anymore when you can make the play in tournament as a 10th seed. Right. I don't know what that means, but I like the swing Charlotte's taking. I like that. They took LaMelo. I like that. They went and got Gordon Hayward because he's a grown up. You're bringing to a team that, you know, tried to do that with Nick Batum and he was unplayable. You know what I mean? So, you make you know, a good point too. The deal, but ah. what else are they supposed to do with Charlotte? Like what free agents are you really getting in to come to Charlotte? You make a good point too with Rondo and you can make it for Hayward too, is that it's an adult. Yeah. Like it's a guy who's been through the ups and downs of, mm-hmm. uh, of playing in the NBA who you hope maybe LaMelo can learn a bit from. But the yeah. other thing was the agent must've known that the Hornets yeah, were going to yeah, give yeah. this to. You don't opt out without, without having right. an inkling that something's waiting for you on the other side. Right. And then the other one was that uh, the Hornets gave Hayward a qualifying offer back in the day. Yeah. When like he was a, a restricted free agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was a restricted free agent. They offered so, him a deal then. So Yeah, yeah maybe they, he they loves. wanted him for a while. Maybe he loves North Carolina. I don't know. Maybe MJ loves him some Gordon Hayward. Uh, Some other teams we should mention in terms of the good moves, the Blazers adding Robert Covington. This is a sneaky move because the Blazers, if you, if we were all paying attention to what the Blazers were doing down the stretch and what they're capable of at the end of that season, but we know that they were torn apart by injuries last season. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying you bring in some added depth in terms of easing the load on CJ and Dame Lillard, where you're getting a healthy Nurkic, but you add Covington, you add Enos Cantor, Derek Jones Jr., Harry Giles, 
you, plus you're getting Zach Collins back healthy, plus yeah. Rodney Hood and Carmelo. I'm just saying you have guys in terms of who can play in your rotation that's not like Mario Hazonia getting minutes. Like you're just <laughs> adding depth. You just because Dave those are guys. is that good, he just ran out of gas because you have to do way too much and he had to play on both ends of the floor. And if you're adding Covington, He's a guy who, as you know, you're you know Covington's resume. Just a solid play guy defense. that fits in. Yeah, fits but, in on a good team that has other star power. But he just hit open threes, play defense. That'll be good. I didn't mind that Covington move, but it's the Cancer and the Derek Jones Jr. moves that I didn't really just understand. Bench. Just bench guys. Those guys—they're like, so specialized and like can only play in certain situations. It's just again, I guess I remind you that they were going to Mario Hazonia. <laughs> Mario was getting minutes. for like legit minutes on their bench last year. Like oh, he was getting so legit bad. minutes. So that's just—I'm not saying—and again. I'm just, they just need depth. That's what they need. Dame Dollar is ready. He's ready yeah. to take that leap. They just need some depth behind them. Uh, also, the Suns. Suns also got to get a boost because they well, added Well, you get Paul Chris Paul. Yeah. And Jay Crowder. Much yeah. like Covington. Just yeah. under the radar guy to be that piece to play defense and shoot the open three. But interested to see what the Suns do. And the West is a problem. I know everyone's talking about the Lakers and you know, not going to get too much in the weeds. Again, we'll save this for our season preview, but the Clippers are still going to be nice. Blazers, Suns, Nuggets, Mavs, all coming up. Like, that's going to be legit, man. It's going to be legit. We talked about, you know, Philly still waiting to make a move. The Clippers are another team that it's like you could see in the next couple of weeks before the season actually starts. They've got some pieces that they can uh, try and flip into, uh, into something big. Yeah. And so as we flip over to, we talked about the winners. Those were the winners. We're going to flip to the biggest losers of the NBA offseason. And a team that we didn't mention that we've been used to mentioning in terms of the top of the Western Conference the last few years, the Rockets. I think the Rockets are the biggest losers because I know they still – Not yet. But I think they are because even though you still have James Harden and Russ on your team, you're lowering – what the ceiling is because even if they stay them being unhappy is not a good look for your franchise or your organization or just like how is that going to be a positive environment you knowing that they want to leave but then keeping them right like how is that like you're not going to convince them to magically stay and especially in this world where nba stars force find ways to force their way out (laughs) of situations I don't know. And, and you know, what'd they get? Christian Wood? Boogie Cousins? Nice. Like, Christian Wood's nice, though. I'm not denying that, but that's not enough. That's not enough for that team. They need more. They didn't have enough last year, right? They didn't have enough last year, and that was their problem. But I don't know. I just think it's it's a weird move, and it just seems like we talk about good and bad organizations. What we're learning is a Houston Rockets owner, like their issues start from the top. Yeah, is what we're learning. And so it just seems like a horrible offseason as we continue to find out kind of the gong show that's going on there. And I think one of the funniest moments, because we still don't know what's going to happen or, you know, if the trade is going to go down with Harden getting shipped out of town or there's now Russ and John Wall rumors and all that floating around. 
But the funniest thing to me was in the midst of all these rumors flying, James Harden going on his Instagram, his Instagram stories and posting a picture of him removing a bottle cap and putting it on the table. And the breakdown of NBA Twitter trying to figure out what does this mean? Is he saying cap or no cap? No cap or... (laughs) So good. It's so good. I I love the NBA. Uh, But who's one of your losers of the NBA offseason, man? I I hate to do it, but it's got to be Detroit, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, what are they doing? I don't... I don't know the product that they're putting out there. I thought the only way I can think of that this makes sense is they have a move coming, right? Like that's the only thing that makes sense because there's no way. Okay, so you draft Isaiah Stewart, right? Which is a solid big guy that you mm. take in the draft. Solid. It seemed, I mean, it's a weird seemed like it was. It seemed like that was kind of a reach. Okay, fair. But if. Let's play as if we're Detroit for a second. Okay. So let's play as if you we bring think in the big that guy. he's good, right? We think that he's good. So we draft a big guy, right? Whether they reach or not, that's later to be determined. But in the moment on draft night, they think we drafted a big guy that we wanted. Cool. Then you sign Mason Plumley <laughs> to 8.3 million and Jalil Okafor, which, okay, sure. I don't get that. Jeremy Grant is good, but I'm still confused with how this fits in with the rest of their team because they still have Blake Griffin. And there's still Blake Griffin rumors floating around about him for Russ, maybe. Who knows what's going on there? Yeah, It's just strange, strange, strange. And I just think there has to be a move coming because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Uh, they Again, like in this game of musical chairs, they may be caught standing up with this also, team that they've – also, too, when, as you mentioned, they could have just signed Christian Wood. They could have just right. signed him. So I, don't, I really don't get what's going on here. I really don't get it. Um, other losers, though, the Warriors. And, oh, um, well, yeah, I mean, but Clay Thompson. Not, it's brutal for Clay. But I thought the Kelly Oubre thing was smart. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest, though. That's a smart organization, right? So they didn't panic or do anything like, you know, quote unquote crazy on draft night like you know panic trade the number two pick for whatever they selected the best player they had the guy that made sense to them yeah right so they take wiseman cool then you know clay goes down and they end up trying they end up getting kelly Oubre, which obviously he's not clay thompson but that's a good starter starting wing in the nba that's a solid move that's a solid pickup now and they have him for two years so you get to like yeah. kick the tires on them. Do you want to resign them? Can you it, sure. say they totally tank out? Maybe they can trade them, you know, whatever. Like it's, it, I thought it was smart. Well, this is going to come down to, I mean, what their season ends up being is going to come down to it. Well, is, I know this is going to sound a Steph Curry slander because it is, but is Steph actually going to play this season without clay or is he going to sit out the whole season again? <laughs> I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm just asking a question. I don't know the answer. I'm wow. asking the question. I'm just I asking. I love it. I love it. Hold on. I, Facts. Is, is show Steve me the Kerr, lie. Show me Steve the lie. Kerr, is Steve Kerr going to say his back hurts and maybe not coach I'm the just team? Saying, show me the lie. Did Steph wow. Curry not duck the smoke wow. last year? Show me wow. the lie. Wow. I, I love it. I love it. I love it because I, I'm right in, in step with you. So He's a coward. We'll see what happens this year. <laughs> We'll see what happens this year. And Steph Curry, I mean, you still got Draymond. You still got Wiggins. 
who knows what that means, but <laughs> Wiggins is there. Oh, he can get buckets. I'm still, I'm still reeling. I'm still reeling. No, I want to like this Warriors team should still compete for the playoffs. No, a hundred percent. I would say that they should be even without Clay. Yeah. If this team is as good as we've been told they are for the last five years, yeah, they should be a top four seed. Steph Curry is the MVP. The back to back unanimous, MVP, unanimous, unanimous MVP. MVP. Right, him and Draymond and Andrew Wiggins and and Ubre. Well, here's the thing, right? Everyone slanders Russell Westbrook all the time, right? Which, and I know I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook defender, but Russell Westbrook was able to get a team lesser than this team to the this playoffs. Is, this is, this is, this might be hotter than my Giannis take. No, no, no. It might Stop be. This. It might be. Stop this. I'll, it's, it's been this a little while a since you've hold gotten. On, this it's isn't been a take. While since you've gotten this reaction out of me. Listen, listen. This isn't a take. Steph Curry <laughs> sat out last season. He ducked the season last year. Steph, once Clay Thompson was hurt, he came back. He played a bit. He hurt himself, and then oh, Aaron Baines, they were Aaron resting. Baines hurt him. Aaron, Aaron Baines, Baines hurt him. him, and then he came. And he then broke he his come hand. Back. He broke his hand, missed a lot of time, and then just didn't come back. <laughs> That's a fa- that's what happened. I didn't make that up. Coward. I didn't make that up. Coward. I didn't say that. You said that. I didn't say he was a coward. I just said he ducked the smoke. See, at least Clay wasn't at around, least, and he didn't want the I, smoke. At least I put my name on the Giannis. At least I said. At least I put my name on it. I'm just saying the facts of what happened last season. That's it. Again, show me the lie in the comments. Show oh, me good. the lie. That's all. So I'm good. Show me the so line. good. I love it. I love it. Um, other losers, obviously, we talk <laughs> losers of the offseason. I'm not calling Steph Curry a loser, that's not what I'm doing there. I don't know. I see I the know. look on your face. A coward, you did call him a coward. <laughs> what would you say? This, what would you say? It's 50 50 that he plays this season? Would you say it's 75 25? <laughs> I, like, mean, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything yet, so we'll, we'll find out. We'll find w- out when, when he reports to training camp. We'll say, okay, maybe. Oof. Uh, we talked about the Bucks and their front office woes in the in the in uh, this offseason yeah, for sure. If you want to keep Giannis, if you want to keep Giannis, does Bryn Forbes really help that case? Bryn like, Forbes, Tory Craig, Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine. No, it's not really D Wade, we'll Chris Bosh, and LeBron. Again, we'll they're they're not going to make the finals this year. They're not. We'll see. We shall see. Um, I also think John Wall is one of the losers of this offseason in the sense that my guy is so cheesed that his name got brought up in trade talks. And then the re- it was reported that Bradley <laughs> Beal was the one who was pushing for that move, which I find hilarious because all they've been doing is pretending as if they get along, even <laughs> though funny. everyone knows that they don't get along. Uh, I'll never feel sorry for John Wall because of how much money the – Washington Wizards are paying him to it's like 80 rehab mil over the next two years, right? <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. We think that Westbrook is getting paid a lot over the next couple of years. It's nothing to well, what John Westbrook Wall is plays. getting. <laughs> That's what and I'm plays saying. hard. Plays well. The Russ slander. I'm not here for the Russ slander, as you know. <laughs> and my Twitter followers know. I'm not here for the Russ slander. Like I, I, I don't understand what people's <laughs> issue is with Russell Westbrook. I, I don't 
I honestly don't understand it because like you don't just make an all NBA team. Like I have to remind people he made all NBA this season, <laughs> not like, and people were like, he's washed. He's this, he's that. I'm like all NBA. They don't just give that out to nobodies. Like they don't just give that out to scrubs. Like you were one of the best players in the NBA this season. And people are like, nah, he's washed. Like, okay, sure. Uh, how many all NBA teams has Westbrook made compared to Curry? I'd have to go look that up. <laughs> well, he well Steph wasn't on it last year because he didn't play. <laughs> Might not play this year. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll see, so, right? <laughs> so good. Either way, a great NBA offseason for sure. So much going on in training camp, rounding about um, oh. training camp about to start next week, which is going to be crazy. And, of course, training camp is going to be even crazier for the rookies who, you know, a very condensed offseason as the rookies are going to jump right into it. But that brings me to draft night. And I just want to ask you, what stood out to you the most from draft night? Was there a moment or a thing or a pick or anything that stood out to you the most that you want to bring up from draft night? Uh, Let's cool it with the family stuff. Oh, okay. I know. I know we're in COVID times. I know that... We didn't have a full college basketball season. But if you're going to do this and you're going to have every pick like, hey, your dog died when you were eight. Mm -hmm. How did that affect your journey to the NBA? (laughs) If you're going to do that, can we have a couple of different broadcasts for the NBA draft? And I think I'm stealing this from somebody. I've heard this. But it's like, Um, you know how they do the national championship game? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. On college football? They were talking about this on, uh, I think it was The Ringer. I think it was Simmons and Rosillo, maybe. Was it Rosillo? I I think so. Do that. Like, have the coaches breaking down film of the thing. And then have the the human interest stories on another channel. Because they did that for, I think, the NFL draft. Not this year because of COVID, but I think the NFL draft on ABC is all, like, the sappy stories, like – this is a hardship. And then on ESPN, they have like breaking down the actual players and the team they're going to and team needs and all that stuff. Because for me, for me this season, it was like, I didn't watch a lot of college basketball. There wasn't a lot of college basketball to watch. There was no, uh, there was no tournament, which is like where you kind of really get to know these kids and their style of play. So I was really like, I mean, for some of these picks, I didn't know a ton about them. Uh, like their games, like, yeah. but now I know about their second cousin who, you know, yeah. But and then the other big one was I, the, the Sixers pick was the best pick in the draft. <laughs> which one, Webby? Which one? The kid from Kentucky. Okay. Be- did you, did you hear what Calipari said afterwards? Stop it. Don't tell me about what Calipari said. Like, I'm ready to buy his used cars. I'm ready to go down to the car hear lot. What Calipari said, man. He has Calipari sold is a hustler for real. <laughs> he is, I'm not like I'm not, I'm not even mad at Calipari's hustle cuz like he's getting it and he's been getting it for a long time. <laughs> but my guy is just like, "Come on." I'm, I'm I'm totally bought in. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Like, you're right. He's going to be this guy. He's going to be this guy of the draft. But no, it was uh, when you talk about like team needs and whatever you need for the draft, like that Maxi kid is going to be really good, really good. Exactly what they need. 
Seth Curry. Uh, I don't even want to say Danny Green, but but they got shooters now again. They've got shooters now again, and I like that. This guy. This is when we move on. When this guy's bringing <laughs> Danny Green is a big as a big offseason addition. This guy's bringing up Danny Green. All right, sure, man. Whatever works uh, for you, Sixers fans. <laughs> sure. Uh, okay. Oh, you didn't like the Al Horford era? Al Horford, was it his sister that was, like, happy to get out of town? Oh, my God. You should oh, – the Philadelphia Sixers Twitter was not kind to her. That was another team that we forgot on smartest or best moves of the offseason, what Presti did. Oh, getting Al Horford? No, in getting every draft pick from here until four I, years from now. I'm, I, I'm anti you're, the whole, like, I'm you're, just going to – You're out on that. Because there's so many draft picks. What are you going to do with all these draft picks? Package them together. Okay, then do it. But there's nobody out there right now that oh, you okay. would want to do. Okay, so, so <laughs> cool. Like, all right, so then what's the point in all this? Like, if you're telling me you get all these draft picks and they're like, all right, we're trying to offer a trade for Giannis right now. Oh, but the Bucks aren't going to trade Giannis right now. <laughs> and even if they were going to trade Giannis right now, they're not going to trade him to you because Giannis doesn't want to go to you. So you'd just be wasting your draft picks to get him. Like this Kawhi Leonard thing, like what happened with Kawhi tricked the whole league into thinking that like, Oh, this can, this is easy. This could just happen. You just trade for right. someone and like, it just happens. And it's like a few things. They've got to want to go. Yeah. Hold on. One, it was a like they traded Kawhi Leonard for Demar. Like right now in 2020, that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Now it sounded ridiculous to some, like real ball heads, at the time, right? But to the majority of people, they're kind of like, "Oh, really?" Like if you go back when the Raptors really made that move, Toronto media and Raptors fans were kind of like 60 40 maybe even 50-50 on the trade. And I was out here, we were out here like, wait, what are you guys talking about <laughs> this is, here? This guy's a winner. <laughs> yeah, Masai's winning right now, right? Guy so, is a winner. I'd bring that up to say this. You needed the perfect storm of Kawhi coming off an injury, Kawhi mm -hmm. wanting out. But then also on top of that, you make the trade for Kawhi to come here. You already have a team that at least he's coming in and being like, all right, I could work with this. And they figure it out. But if you're doing that and you're OKC, like, what, what is your game plan? Like, you still need so many other pieces. Like, you need to hit on some of these draft picks. You need some of these draft picks to not be from the Bucks or from the Sixers, who are meaning your picks are going to be in the 20s, right? So, like, whatever. Miss me with all that. Call me when he hits, he hits on some of these draft picks. Okay, all right. He already right? has. You know what? He hit on Shea. Do you know what's fun? No, he traded for Shea, right? He traded for Shea. Mm. But here's the thing. It, it, it's like, remember when he, the Paul George thing happened and he was like, scared money don't make no money? Remember they, they had the meme and he had that on his board? Accumulating all these draft picks, that's scared money. That's scared money. Yeah. That's scared money to me. To me. Yeah. Uh, speaking of scared money, though, I guess we'll go to our Ask on Blast segment. I think we got it. Because, I mean, Ask on Blast, we normally talk about whatever's going on in the pop culture world. And there was one thing in the past week that I think to me anyways, was the biggest thing. Huge. Going. Huge. Two million people. It's crazy. Two million people on IG live. And then millions more on uh, Apple music watched the versus battle between Jeezy and Gucci. 
Now, there's a segment of the population, and it was funny because I, I thought about, like, first off, anyone that follows me knows I love Jeezy, right? If you follow me on Instagram or you follow me on Twitter and you followed me for a long time, you probably know that I love Jeezy. With that said, I'm pretty sure I caught a lot of people off guard with just consistent tweets when this was happening on, or when was it? Last Thursday. Not that I cared because you could easily unfollow, but I just, it made me think for a second, there's probably a lot of confused people right now because a Jeezy and Gucci versus battle is only really a, a segment of the population. <laughs> and then if you're not in that segment of the population, you're going to be like, wait, what is what is going on right now? <laughs> right? Because like, I'll set the scene, right? For the people who might not have seen this. And I think by now everyone's familiar with what the versus battles are, right? But this one was a little different because it was, was at history. Magic City, first off. <laughs> World famous Magic City. Recently made famous by Lou Williams. Shout out to Lemon Pepper Lou. Lemon Pepper Lou. But there's history between these two guys, as you mentioned, right? And the history is these guys go way back in Atlanta. And there is, you know, legit beef. Like there was a murder involved. Gucci went to jail. Like there's a lot of real life shit that happened between these two guys. Now, the reason why it was supposed to, it was supposed to be TI versus Jeezy, but I think they tried to, or from Jeezy's point of view anyways, they thought it would be better for the culture to show a level of growth if he was able to come together and do this with Gucci. They thought it would be a more powerful moment for Versus if they were able to pull this together. So, and again, I can't emphasize enough, like, the, the real nature that this got to in terms of, you know, they were, they were on a track together and then there's arguments over what went down and from Gucci's side, if you listen to this and I'm using, I'm going to use the word allegedly a lot here, but if you listen to things from Gucci's side, they think that Jeezy sent people to have him murdered. And what happened instead was the people who tried to murder Gucci got murdered and Gucci went to jail, but ended up getting out for self-defense. So there's like a real history. And to let you know how serious it was, because the, the term beef track or diss track in hip hop gets thrown around a lot. But this was real, <laughs> like real, real, real. And that and diss it track. started with it started with round one, which at first I wasn't familiar with the song round one. I'll be honest. I was not. So when it came on, I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool way to start. Right? You're hearing the you're hearing the chorus and then you're like, okay. And then he got into the track and I was like, oh oh, this is where we're going here. Yeah. And that kind of caught me off guard. What were you thinking early on going in, but also just the mood, the, the tone that was set right off the bat? So I, I, I didn't realize that T.I. had been switched out for Gucci until like a day or two before. Okay. And I was like, how is this going to work? Because, listen, Gucci's got like a huge street following for sure, but I couldn't name you three Gucci songs. Yeah. And, like, and that's one part. I'll let you finish in a sec, but I think the one part to explain to people is Gucci is much more like the mixtape rapper. 
right? Like that era of the early 2000s, a mixtape era, Gucci is one of the kings of that era. Whereas Jeezy went the mainstream, went the more mainstream level, obviously got signed to Def Jam and we know more of his hits because right. of that. But in terms of the streets, in terms of the people selling that out the trunk, right? Like yeah. selling those, the mixtapes and CDs, that's Gucci has a whole section of a fan base that is super passionate. People were hitting me up. Our boy Memmy was hitting me up being like, Jeezy's getting killed right now, <laughs> right? But it's just a matter of how much you were into the Gucci mixtapes. Right. So but when I heard that it, it was T.I. for switching out for Gucci, I was like, this, this versus is really already over. Like there's no way that anybody who keeps these scores mm-hmm. – is going to be like, well, I mean, Gucci played this when Akon and Young Jeezy came on. Like, so it it almost like this versus you say it was, you know, a step to squash beef and, and that was the attempt. That's what Jeezy wanted to do. Yeah. But it seemed like there was morbid curiosity. Like, are Mm -hmm. these two going to fight or is something going to happen? Like, even on my phone on Instagram, there was like real tension. And honestly, I was like, people were talking about it. It was on like a Thursday. Mm -hmm. My whole time thing is all switched around being here in mountain time. And I turned it on right as Gucci started round one. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. He's saying this. He's saying these things. He's rapping these things right at Jeezy who is, 10 feet away. And there's a lot of things we got to describe too, just the setup of all this. Like there was a stage that was shaped in an H and I think it was purposely set up that way with like, you couldn't really walk across to the other yeah. side. Like they were clearly on either side, two thrones. And on one side you had Gucci's camp and his squad behind him. And on the other side you had Jeezy and his squad behind him. But the energy and you mentioned not only was it the songs that Gucci was doing, because he did a bunch of diss tracks. Because the other part was after all this happened back in the early 2000s, they made a run of diss tracks against each other for a while. And you would wonder going in, like, wait, is Gucci going to play the diss tracks? Because some of them, like, it's not, you know, there's no PG version of these diss tracks. Like, it's straight to the gut like just straight violence being talked about. And you mentioned Gucci just standing and staring directly at Jeezy while saying some of the most vulgar. And Hey, listen, we all love hip hop. We all listen to hip hop, but I don't know if these diss tracks were ever intended on being performed or played in front of the actual person person that you're talking about. And that's what we were witnessing. So collectively, I think everyone involved that was watching it had that moment where they were like, wait a second, what's happening here? And I thought, you know, and you had that moment to yourself, but then you realize on Twitter, oh no, everyone's feeling the exact same tension at this moment in terms of what's going to happen right now. And, you know, it almost got to a point where uh, uh, Gucci did the song Truth, which he blatantly talks about the situation and what yeah. happened in terms of, you know, I killed the, your homeboy. 
Yeah, and he's telling Jeezy to like go dig up the body and stuff. Like it gets very, very, <laughs> very vulgar. Like if you're into hip hop and you're into this stuff, I and you're interested in it, I would go watch it because it's very interesting. But you know, the fact of how it played out in terms of G of Gucci basically then talking trash directly to Jeezy and Jeezy's kind of trying to play it off because he's not yeah. really he's not looking at Gucci the entire time he's looking in the opposite direction he's looking down he's looking all over the place and then there was a moment where you think it's about to pop off and Jeezy takes it the other way because Jeezy takes it the other way where he's trying to talk it down and say hey I came to you as a man thinking that we could do something bigger then you know show the next generation something bigger that we had all these issues and yet we can come together and do something for positive uh, for positivity and for the culture and that i thought was a very interesting moment because in a weird twist i can see it from both sides like gucci was like nah fuck that i said if i was gonna do this we're gonna keep this street yeah. So I'm going to play these tracks. And I thought it was interesting. And I'm not sitting on the fence here at all. I just thought that was really interesting from both sides because I can see it from both sides. Do you know what I mean? Like some people were saying, oh, you know, Jeezy trying to be the bigger man. And it's like, if I'm Gucci and I, I really think that you sent people to kill me, I don't think it's going to be too easy for me to just be like, yeah, 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 we're cool. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah, right? exactly. And if you're Jeezy, you can't be surprised that Gucci would come up and play those tracks For against sure. you. Because he had to know. He had to know. Obviously, he knew. Like, if you have a snake on stage with you, it's going to bite you. Like, that's what yeah. a snake does. Gucci, being that street rapper, having that kind of rap, getting his tape sold out of the back, that's, that's what his MO is. It's not like he's going to come out and play hits. He... He's going to come out and play the hard, hard, hard stuff. And that hard, hard, hard stuff is directed at you. Yeah. No, for sure. It was super real. It was super interesting to see. And, you know, at that moment, I was thinking, oh, like, Gucci's not backing down. He's, like, saying, nah, fuck that. I told you. He he's actually said, I told you I was going to do this. And the only way I was going to do this was yeah. I got to keep it straight. And I kind of understand that. I, I get that for sure. And, you know, I applaud them for both being able to make their own points, right? Like you, we, in 2020, it's very rare that we see people disagree on a situation and be able to like continue along. Work right? through like, it, yeah. We, we don't really realize in 2020 anymore that you're allowed to disagree with each other and still yeah. progress, and I think exactly. that was something that we saw there. And, you know, obviously it was plotted out that at the end they were going to perform their hit that they had together that started the whole beef right. in terms of So Icy. That was pretty cool. That was a thing for the culture. And overall, it was just an amazing night. And I think I love these things so much because they each present something extremely different. Like this thing started with Stacey Abrams, right? Delivering a message trying to get people to vote for the Correct. runoff elections in Georgia. Yeah. Right? Like that's how this started, the Georgia runoff elections, right? Like she came on and delivered a message. And in fact, Gucci was like, can you clear my record? <laughs> he asked her, <laughs> right? Which was just hilarious. But think about that, right? Like the highs and lows of that whole night. And I think the fact that you can do all that is an important message because 
you know, you have someone like Stacey Abrams and coming in and saying, hey, no, we need to vote because this, that, and the third. But like, I like that moment because it, it's showing you that it's not a singular thing and cult, yeah. culture, black culture, it's hip-hop every, culture, yeah. it's everything, right? And that's what these versus battles have shown us because we've had this, we've had the John Legend and Alicia Keys, right? There was what, Patti LaBelle and, uh, and uh, who was it? It was Patti LaBelle. Donna and, Summer? No, no, no. Gladys Knight. Gladys right? Knight. That's right. But like, you know, you've seen all these things to just the straight hip hop ones of, that we keep talking about. RZA. Wasn't there a Kirk Franklin one? Wasn't there a gospel one? There was a gospel one, right? And yeah. I just think like this has been such a cool thing and figuring out new ways to use different platforms with bringing together the music and the culture. And it's such a good business. Both of them, both Jeezy and Gucci had mixtapes that dropped at midnight right after this happened. And obviously all their songs get streamed yeah. after it happens as well. I loved it, man. I loved it. I don't know what the next one's going to be, but this one, this one's going to be hard to top. This one was, this one was honestly like, yeah. I, 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 and, and I hope they don't like devolve into like, Oh, we got to get the two guys who hate each other up there. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need that either. No, nah, nah, nah. Cause but like, this one in DMX was fun. Yeah, right? like, exactly. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm exactly. With I'm with you. Keep I, it I fun, also, mm-hmm. but also, you know, like uh, that. You're right. Like the coolest part about it isn't that it's just uh, two rappers against each other, or whatever. It's it's all about like all the levels of, like you say, the culture, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was dope. It was definitely a night for the culture. Definitely really cool to see, and you know, the music, man. Like Jeezy. Uh, I, I say this again, man, like Jeezy hits different and you either kind of get it or you don't. Hey, like, you know, right. man, that shit it's just, just, it's so good. Track one, hustler music, sign one, track music, one. Right. And it's just like, he played, we talked about it last week. He could play Thug Motivation 101. And I think half of the songs that he played in the battle were off of Thug Motivation 101, yeah. which makes sense. Like that is just such a, classic album that you're you were either there and in it at the time or you weren't yeah right? or like there's no and yeah, it there's hit, no it hit at, at like 23 oh. at age 23 or however old i was and it was just like oh man like it was just so big you know how everyone has one of those albums that you probably had like three or four times because you kept having to buy it back because you would either lose it, lend it to <laughs> someone. Stolen. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that album, I think I've had like two or three of those albums just because it's like, oh, you left it in your friend's car or something. Like it, it was always just something. But Thug Motivation 101, whoo. And that's, Big. I still Big. bump that now. Yeah, that is legit in the morning when I need that extra. You know, sky's the limit, man. Let's go. So there's a few albums like I'm I'm on Spotify now, right? So there's a few mm-hmm. albums that like when I'm building a playlist, like you know I've got like rap playlists, I got classic yeah, play, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But that's one of those albums that like the whole album goes on the playlist. Yeah, right. It's like okay, so it's all of that. It's it's all of uh, it's all of. Uh, Illmatic is on the rap playlist like the whole thing every track i just need it all right like there's no one or two that i can pick out i think i talked about this before on the pod too the thing about jeezy is that like you know you think about it's all street and selling drugs and whatever and i i get that and i'm not yeah that's why that's why that's why it's awesome 
No, but I'm saying like I've never sold drugs. Oh, in my right, life. right, right. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but what the point I'm making is the the lesson, just like you can watch a movie and know that, you know, you're taking the story or you're taking the principles of hustling or getting yourself out of a certain situation to better your situation or being motivated to do better. Like that's what you take from it. And I always use the example of, uh, I'll always remember this moment. It hit me so hard when talking to one of my boys who's like a finance dude and like, you know, grew up pretty well, like pretty, you know, well to do I'll say. And we were talking about Jeezy and he's like, Oh, I bump Jeezy all the time. I was like, it kind of caught me off guard, right? Because, like, you know, I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, that, what do you mean? That All he talks about is waking up and getting money. <laughs> he's like, what do you think I do every day? I wake up and get money. I was like, it kind of makes sense. I can't makes argue sense. with that. Right. I can't argue at that point. But either way, Jeezy's for the people. Jeezy's for everybody. I love it. It was a great night of hip-hop. Jeezy likes to drink. Jeezy likes to smoke. Yo. There are times I just, uh, <laughs> Yo, you know what, like when this pod is over, I'm just going to start blasting some Jeezy just because while I'm editing this pod, just because it just gets me motivated, man. Hustler and music. If, you're not if you actually... like to grind, you like to work hard, put on t- Thug Motivation 101 and tell me that just doesn't get you hype. And don't worry, people. Sheldon is not actually going to mix the arm and hammer with the coke, okay? <laughs> it's just metaphorical. It's metaphorical. <sighs> it's metaphorical. What was it? He's like, I only talked, uh, he's like, I got friends that, uh, they don't drink Pepsi. They just sell Coke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. Jesus. So good. And it, it's like, it's not what he's saying is, is anything crazy. It's not like crazy wordplay or crazy dramatic or crazy, like complex, but it's just the energy. Yeah. Right. And, and then every the once in a while, it's, it's he, the yo, crazy beats behind him too. Like some of that production over is when, crazy. When, when, uh, Gucci tried to play something from Drake. And then he's like, all right, I'll drop Go Crazy. And I'm like, nothing's beating Go Crazy. <laughs> no, it's like <laughs> right? it's nothing. best rap song like, in the last 25 years. Everyone on Twitter's like, play the J-verse, play the J-verse. <laughs> and like, you can't play the J-verse. But still, that and Seen It All, like Seen It All oh, is like. Seen It All is so, is so good. We could go on forever. And, you know, the message here, kids, is right after you listen to this podcast, Head over to Apple Music or Spotify or whatever it is and find yeah. the Jeezy Essentials mix. <laughs> right? I, just, I know that's I what just, it's called on Apple Music, but whatever it is on Spotify, do the same and yeah. enjoy. Educate yourself. Get hype. Get motivated to do better in your life, to that's push right. to whatever your goal is in life. Sky's the limit. That's the I love it. Here. Love the message. Like a perfect way to end this week's that's podcast. It. <laughs> yeah man end us on a high note here webby where can the people find you if they want to get more jeezy recommendations from you or you know your basketball insights as training camp <laughs> is right around the corner I'll, I'll tell you if you come to my twitter page uh my twitter feed at a webster 84 when steph curry reports for training oh, camp geez. i'll put a, i'll put a picture up I'll put a picture <laughs> of him reporting to training camp and i'll Jeez. i'll put at sheldon alexander on it too Listen, again, show me the lie. Someone in the comments, just show me the lie. Did Steph Curry, could Steph Curry have played last season and then did not play last season? That's so good. Show me the lie. That's all I'm saying. It's so good. That's all I'm saying. 
And uh, when you when you show me the lie, or you're trying to show me the lie, you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander, on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. And of course, thank you for liking and subscribing to the podcast. Remember, this is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Network. We also got our football pod up and running. We got a brand new episode up giving you your picks for not only the Thursday night Thanksgiving games, but all of week 12 in the NFL. It's football from a gambling perspective. We're not just here trying to give you like the one line, like take this team because blank. No, no, no. We come in with the thought. I come in with the thought and we break it down. We dig deep. We give you the little insight that involves more than just who's on your fantasy team. Tell you, you know, why the Ravens are struggling. It's because of their injuries to their D-line and their O-line. That's why Lamar looks different. It's not because Lamar Jackson is bad all of a sudden. No, it's because one of the best offensive lines has been ravaged. Ravaged. We're giving you the insight. We're dropping some knowledge and trying to help you win some money. If you're going to make the bets, at least educate yourself. And that's all we're trying to do. Trying to help the people. Just like Jeezy. Just like Jeezy. See how how it comes back around? See how it comes back around? Uh, but yeah, like and subscribe to that. That podcast is on the On Blast Network. That show is called, I'll name this football pod later. Again, shouts to my guy Joe Bunn, who I stole that name from. <laughs> but it's an homage because yeah. he reps for the creators, and I'm a creator. Hey, listen, if he has a problem, hit us up. <laughs> Come on the pod. We could argue. Come on the pod. <laughs> Oh, man, this is too much fun, man. We'll do this again next week as training camps open up. Yeah, season uh, previews. Season previews coming soon for sure. Preseason. There will be actual preseason games to watch very soon. Yeah, that's that is fucking crazy. <laughs> that is insane. crazy. But we'll be right here to chop it up and bring that to you as well as everything else that is going on in the world of the culture and everything NBA because that's what we do here. As I always say, I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast, as always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network, available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla.